Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Nancy Hinman, Ph.D., LMFT, is a doctor in depth psychology with an emphasis in psychotherapy. She received her Ph.D. in depth psychology from Pacific Graduate Institute and received her M.A. in clinical psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy from Pepperdine University. Our guest today is Dr. Nancy Hinman. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you. Yes. I have so many questions for you since you're going to be covering trauma and everything that we've gone through in the last nine months have caused, you know, at least perceptions of trauma. What is depth psychology? Well, first of all, whenever I say it, I always spell it because people don't hear it. They say, is that deaf? Is that deaf? It's deaf, <laughs> D-E-P-T-H. So it's in terms of deep. It's basically based on the works of Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung and their, contra- their main contribution well, I would say their main contribution is acknowledging the unconscious and things that we're not really aware of. So it it allows us to travel into dream worlds and imagination and opens up the whole field to something that's outside of what is rational. Familiar with both because I had to study both of them in psychology, but I am more familiar with the subconscious when it really comes to Carl Jung, the shadow self. Oh, the shadow self. Okay. Yes. Do you use the shadow self idea in death psychology? Oh, sure. The shadow self, basically, I think it's something that's, that can be very easily misunderstood. The shadow self in each one of us has a shadow side, and that's the side of ourselves that we have not recognized. Many people think that it's only about our deep, dark, bad self, or they look at it with a um, negative connotation. It's not, it can be something, you may have a shadow side of yourself that is, you don't see the aspiration that you have. You don't acknowledge your own talent. So it's something that we all have got to incorporate into making ourselves fuller people. It's, it's the thing, the other thing about depth psychology is it's not binary. It's not black or white or either or. Mm-hmm. It's trying to combine all of it into a breathing life and to let our soul sing whatever song it wants to sing. So in terms of trauma, what is actually trauma? Trauma is acute pain. Trauma, it can be a physical or it can be emotional. It can be psychic, but it's something that is so painful that generally it's um, the body can't tolerate it. So that's where we have, how we get into things like dissociation, for instance. Uh-huh. If something happens to you, you've heard, you know, read stories about someone, a child who's being sexually abused, say, and they watch themselves from the ceiling. They've just left and they can see themselves, their body down on the ceiling. They've completely separated from themselves because the pain is not tolerable. And we have to remember that emotions are held in the body. Yes. So mind steps into it and says, I'm not going to, I'm going to help you. So you don't have to remember any of that pain but it also stops a tremendous amount of growth. So basically, I, they're not synonymous, but I use them. Um, I say that pain and trauma are actually different aspects of the same thing, but that's just my own definition. So that uh, 
probably goes down to perceptions, how someone that's in trauma or being affected by trauma, depending on their perceptions is how it affects their body and their mind. I would say it a little differently. I would say that the trauma itself changes our perception. So you can, you know, in terms of the mind changing the perception, you can do like, I'm just going to look at that as a positive and everything will be fine. And, but you still find yourself not functioning in the world and not having the connection with humanity that you want or not being able to live to any of your goals. And that's when you just, the mind just says, I'm changing the perception. The trauma itself changes the perception because the, the mind will step in and try to protect yourself so it will see the world differently and not allow you to see your true self because it's protecting you from the pain. So it kicked in a survival instinct then. Yeah, well, survival instinct, again, can be something else because a lot of times just to survive, we cut off emotions. If you're in the middle of a war and someone's shooting at you, it's not the time to consider what you're emotionally feeling about, you know, and and what your mother did do when you were five. That's survival. You're just staying alive (laughs) so you can get to the point to to be able to deal with all of that. That's, you know, on a different level than being able to find much more of an emotional renaissance inside of oneself. Numbness and withdrawing and disassociation comes from not wanting to remember the, the trauma or what triggers it? Um, not wanting makes it sound like it's a willful choice. I think it's kind of more like a, an automatic or instinctual choice. Mm-hmm. It's a way to, again, it's if, if you consider that that pain is too intolerable, we just dissociate and cut out, cut off that part of ourselves. And it's more on an instinct. I don't know if instinctual is the right word, more of a way to get through the trauma without having to feel it. And that happens just within the organism itself. How would you deal with some trauma like that? How do you bring that out in a person that is affected so deeply by trauma? There's a lot of different ways. The way that I, as a depth psychologist, I have a lot of different tools that I might use. One way that's very helpful is dream work. Dreams Mm -hmm. can help us feel emotions in sleeping life that we can't feel in waking life. They can give us clues. They can act out a lot of the trauma where it's even a nightmare as horrible as it feels might be safer than actually feeling that in waking life. Some people do it through movement, through authentic movement. You can do it through writing. You can write your way through it. You know, I've often said about Tennessee Williams. I don't know for all the trauma that he wrote about, I wonder how he could have survived had he not been able to write some of those plays. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. As a, since I'm a therapist, I believe that, you know, I can help people because I can hold some of that pain and go to the place with them so they don't have to do it alone. But everybody has their own way. If they're willing, it's a really courageous thing to try to face the trauma. It's much easier just to live your life in, in a safe little corridor than to take on the challenges of that. It's courageous work and it's difficult work and, it's, and it is absolutely doable for most people. So someone that's facing this trauma, what happens if you don't wanna face it and you don't get help? How does that affect the body then? Uh, again, there's no absolutes here, but just look around the world. <laughs> you know? yeah. I don't want to get political. I won't get political, but you can see certain people who certainly have not faced their own stuff and they just project it onto everyone else. Some people, truly, the pain is too much and they're safer in their own corridor, in their own very 
narrow area of seeing the world. And that's the only place they're safe. And the pain might be too dangerous for them to go into. So it's, you know. What about someone that thought they dealt with their trauma because they remember it and they've been able to talk about it, but yet it still affects them? Again, it's not binary. It's not like, woof, I'm over that and that's all gone. It's, it's degrees. And there's layers and layers and layers to it. So maybe some of the first part of it is acknowledging that it really happened. And that can be perhaps, and just making up stories or a story of, you realize that someone assaulted you as a child. And so you carried around, that must've been my fault. I did something horrible to be in that place at that time or else that wouldn't have happened. This is my fault. Mm-hmm. And the more you start realizing about the trauma that indeed it was not your fault, then you have a different sense of yourself and you don't carry that particular guilt, but there's still the pain of the assault the pain of the fear of it. Now, how do you feel? Explain to me, because I've seen people that go through trauma and then they create a bias and a generalization because of that trauma. They try to make sense of it. They're trying you know, to make sense of it. No, our minds just really, really, really love to make sense of things. It's, it's just, right. that's, that's so much what the, what the defenses do in the mind. Let me make up a story that makes sense. Okay. That's how you find, you know, like a lot of, um, a lot of fundamentalist religions, whatever that may be, they've got the rules and there's this and you can stick by that. So then there's something that makes sense. Whereas the trauma, the pain rarely makes sense. Why would someone do that to another human being? Mm, that's a question Why we all ask ourselves. Yeah, you know, so there might not be any sense, but we can get to the emotional reality and the emotional ability to process it. And it still is a part of our story, but it no longer is the unconscious leading factor. You know, it's not like that unconscious thing on your shoulder that's always saying, don't do that. All people are bad or whatever. Right. You can start hearing what you're saying, changing the old stories. I, I was just picturing something of someone that w- went through a, a trauma of some sort and they're having a problem accepting it and not knowing where to go for help, because sometimes you could get all the self-help books you can find. You can try to find a place like that because people are afraid sometimes to talk to a therapist. Perfect. Yeah. What can you suggest? I mean, I know there's things like meditation and mindfulness, and I'm a great supporter of therapy because I think everybody should at least if they're going through a traumatic time in their lives, they should go there to get help. Because I find that talking to someone that is their profession, they can kind of break it down to you because they're seeing it objectively. Because family members, they support you, they love you, they're going to agree with you, they're just going to listen. But to really get that help to find out about trauma with therapy be the only answer? Oh, no, nothing. There's no only answer for anything. Everybody has their own way. Some people can do it through their artwork. Some people can do it through music. What therapy in particular offers, if you find, if you connect with the right therapist, and that's a whole nother journey because you might not, you couldn't be a lot of therapists. (laughs) But if you find that, there's the, the, the unions have a term, well, it's a Greek word called temenos, which means sacred space. So when you're in that office with the therapist, You've got someone who for that hour has got their entire attention on you. And they can, yes, as you said, give a different perspective, see things in a different light. 
and hopefully tenderly take you through the journey that you need to go through and be able to help you and go with you through it. That's obviously what I believe in, but it's not for everyone. So some people find it in extreme sports. Some people find it in, there are a plethora of different ways of dealing with trauma outside of, with not necessarily with a therapist. You can do it through gardening, through, as I said, you know, some in the body, dancing, any of that. We all have got different ways of finding and processing it if we have the courage to meet it. So I'm reading a book that you actually suggested. The body keeps the score. Yeah. And it deals a lot with PTSD and how people handle it, which I found very interesting. I I looked at the book for triggers, what causes triggers. And I mean, you already kind of covered what it said. If someone is going through all of this and we, and you just talked about all the different ways you can handle it by being active, by going into some form of art. I find the thing with trauma is that people just don't feel safe. So besides doing the artwork and all of that, that would relieve the stress, I believe, of trauma. But how does someone work on feeling safe? It's a great question, Sonia. And the safety is paramount. And there are times if we are really getting into the pain, there are going to be times when it's not safe. You cannot stay safe to do it, but it's getting through to the other side. So often the fear is if I let, if I let myself really feel that anger, if I let myself really go to that incredibly terrifying place. I'll never get out of it. I'll fall into this deep well and never get out. And that pretty much that's generally not true. We have to go there to get to the other side. And that's completely counterintuitive. You know, our bodies are, are built that if you stub your toe, you stop, you don't do that anymore. You know, if you, if you put your hand in the flame, you stop touching hot stuff. Mm-hmm. Pain is supposed to tell us don't do it. <laughs> Stay safe. When we get into trauma and the emotional pain, we need to go through and into that pain and into that terrible, scary place of unsafety to get to the other side, which is why a therapist can help. But some people can do that through art. It's not just a matter of stress relief. If you look at various artists and what they have done, if you look at Van Gogh and what he has done, you can see the pain in his paintings. Yeah see it in other people's if you listen to a lot of Mozart if you listen to Joni Mitchell I mean there's so many different ways depending upon what level you're going through and how much you listen to yourself and your own intuition and your soul's needs I started writing I mean I've been writing poetry since I was a child but I noticed that it was only being written to deal with stress and it would just go in a drawer And it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I decided to edit them and put them in a book. And it was the hardest thing for me to do was hit that publish button. I, you know, when it's uh, when you're putting it on as an ebook, I felt like I was exposing myself. So I didn't want to hit it, but I finally did because I said, you know what, if I'm not going to let people read it and deal with issues that I've had, then I'm never going to do it. But it was a very hard thing for me just to push a publish button. Terribly difficult. And you bring up another really good point, Sonia. When you were writing those poems as a child, you didn't realize what you were doing, but you kept them. And now as an adult and life experience, you can go back and bring some of that stuff to consciousness, what you might have done unconsciously as a child. So a lot of in terms of changing our perceptions and change and processing trauma is about bringing it to consciousness. 
And so that's you, the hard part. It's a very hard part, but you also had an intuition that said you had to do that. So you had a lifetime of strength. So you had a lot more tools as an adult than you did as a child. You had life experience. You knew you could take care of yourself. You developed critical thinking. Your brain had developed. It's not developed as a child. So all of those things, but it took its own time. This is not like a, you know, we don't say to trauma, knock you over the head and say, come out, come out wherever you are. It's a very <laughs> slow process that we do that. And you're talking about that. It was a life process for you. Yes. To see what you were starting and working through as a child and to being able to, to have a strong enough foundation to face it and hit your own publishing and claim your own story in your own life. Yeah, it wasn't easy. No, it's not. But it made it so much easier when I heard people come to me and say, wow, I felt like you wrote that poem about me. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's wonderful. If I could get in touch with someone that would feel like that and that they know they're not alone, I think that's an amazing thing to be able to give someone. Absolutely. And there might be someone who, through their own trauma, your poetry might help them heal. As I said, there's a, a lot of different ways for the healing to happen. Yes. Being able to trust and have the connection with other humans has been known to help. I've noticed with myself and reading other poetry, and I'm like, wow, I felt just like this. I'm obviously not alone. And I think that's a lot with trauma and the perceptions that people have with trauma. They think they're alone. They think they're alone. They think they're the only one who's ever suffered that. They think there's some kind of freak or monster for it. And I think that there is, I mean, that's what all of AA is based on, is we're all in this together and we've all been through it, that we're not a freak, that we're not an outcast, that we are, that our humanity is shared. Yeah, it's terrific. Right, because I also noticed with trauma, there seems to be a lot of shame attached to it. Yeah. Because I've noticed that with soldiers that, you know, were in Vietnam or any other war, and they feel shame on top of their trauma because what they did when they were in war. Yeah. And that's something that has to be dealt with and looked at. You know, again, yeah. in my book, there's no such thing as a negative emotion. So if someone has done something heinous, mm -hmm. then we might have to deal with that shame and work through it. It doesn't define you. It doesn't mean that you are a total misery and a write-off to humanity. It means that there was something that you did that brought you great shame and great remorse. I think the remorse is the big thing. I'm trying to figure out how people, because we're going through such a difficult time financially for most people, where would be a stepping stone if someone feels like they have trauma and they just, they're too afraid to go and talk to somebody, but eventually they will. But what would be the stepping stones to try to help yourself? In the meantime, you mean if you don't have any money, if you can't like, okay. yes, there's one, if you don't have money is one thing. And if you don't want to talk, if you're afraid to talk to anyone, that's something else. Cause there's a lot of different, there's a plethora of 12 step programs out there now that are free. Oh, okay. You know, so if you have, but I know, I know folks who have done that. They've often said that they call it the thousand pound telephone <laughs> to make it <laughs> all to ask for help. Cause you just can't get it off the receiver. So if you can certainly go that, there's a lot of support groups. And in this day and age, there's a lot of online support groups that you can find. If you're willing to take that first step and maybe maybe online works for you because you have more anonymity. It's, and however you do it is fine. There's no way to do it wrong. You know, It's not like, well, I should really just go to a therapist and, or I should really just admit it's, 
it's all again, it's like you, the little girl who wrote the poetry, couldn't have known what she was write, writing until you were able to publish it now. So yeah. it's its own time. And that is all perfect. This has been really, really interesting because there's so many things you touched here I was unaware of. And I think for a listener, it would be extremely helpful. Now, Dr. Nancy Hinman, <laughs> how can people reach you? Um, my website is nancyhinmantherapy.com, which is probably the easiest. And also I'm on psychology today. So either one of those or, and if you go to my website, you can get a, an idea of how I work. And there's some blogs I've written there with some vignettes. So you can get an idea of how it might work and see if that is, if, if that has any resonance for you, because it's up to you and what works for you. This is your time. It's for you. That's perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been extremely informative and I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for doing it, Sonia. Thank you for inviting me. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates. Next week, we will discuss perceptions of being with our guest poet, Martina Reese Newberry. Stay tuned.